He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Come, they told me, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Our newborn king to see, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Our finest gifts we'll bring Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum To lay before the king Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum Pa-rum-pa-pum Merry Christmas and God bless you all. Merry Christmas, Dick Morris. I'm here. I'm Dick Morris. I'm here with Doug DiPiero, who is... Restoring the murals and the artwork at Mar-a-Lago. Yes, beautiful. Trump is not the only piece of art at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> he's the only one that's not on the wall. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's on the wall. <laughs> yeah, and Trump has never been a wallflower, nor is he a wall mural. Um, when we came into the studio, we saw Rudy Giuliani <laughs> dressed up in his Santa outfit. Rudolph. That he used to wear for kids. And I said, he's the only non-red-nosed Rudolph in town. <laughs> you know, I thought Rudy, instead of dressing up like Santa Claus, he should dress up like Rudolph. Rudolph. Rudolph, the brown-nosed radio. <laughs> but you're not red-nosed, you're brown-nosed. Oh, take it easy you can't now. do that. All yeah, right. Uh-uh. right. Nope, not Rudy. So half of the show will be about politics and the other half about Christmas. Um, for the half That's about great. Christmas, I've invited Oz Guinness to join us, who is the man who really introduced me to Jesus Christ and uh, and is, is just a profound religious scholar and secular scholar. But let's stay with the politics for a minute. When he was out of office and out of power, Donald Trump could be searching for relevance as he starts his 24 campaign. But two surreptitious events have come to his rescue and dumped two potent issues into his lap the Twitter file expose, and the big-spending, budget-busting omnibus bill Senator Mitch McConnell let the Democrats pass, effectively disempowering, really disemboweling, the new Republican House majority. Horrible. There's two great issues to ride. He's got an issue to ride, free speech and fighting McConnell. Both issues strike deeply responsive chords with the Republican and independent voters, deep enough to power Trump to the 24 Republican nomination, regardless of what Governor Ron DeSantis decides to do. The FBI Twitter free speech issue gives Trump the unique status of victim-in-chief of the greatest government effort to fix and rig a presidential election in our history. Forget about Maricopa County, Fulton County, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, The fraud that rigged the 2020 election occurred when the FBI and Twitter suppressed and discredited convincing evidence on Hunter's laptop that the Biden family was in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. Had this information come out two weeks before the 2020 election when they had their debate, there was no way Biden could have won. It did come out, but was buried beneath the well-planned efforts of the FBI to discredit and denigrate it as Russian disinformation. So the mainstream media felt able to ignore and even to suppress the story. 
as the main victim of this blatant attempt to muzzle free speech and use government funds and personnel to fix and rig an election, Donald Trump has unique standing to address the issue. His putative rival for the nomination, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, has no role to play and will be relegated to the sidelines watching this battle as a spectator as it plays out. Mm. Senate Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell gave Trump his second Christmas present, a bloated, pork-laden budget bill passed even as the Democrats over the horizon could glimpse the Republican moving bands heading to Washington to take over the House. Like Vietnamese boat people or anti-Taliban Afghanis, the Democrats cling to their rafts and airplane skids to pass one last spending bill before the Republicans took over. Thanks to McConnell's green light, the lame duck session in Congress passed one of the most outrageous spending bills in history, a $1.76 trillion travesty filled with every earmark a congressman could want. This spending bill passed with the support from rhino Republicans like Mitt Romney, like Mitt Romney, but also with the votes of GOP senators slated to retire in a few weeks. With one foot out the door, they left a legacy of inflation-inducing spending in their wake. McDonnell is becoming a curse word. McConnell is becoming a curse word among Republicans for letting it pass as he threw away his leverage at the outset by agreeing to raise the debt limit through 2024. McConnell's craven surrender makes his battle with Trump the central issue in the primaries of 24, for the Senate and inevitably for president as well. From now on in the Republican Party, you're either for McConnell or for Trump. A feud has now become a central policy division in the GOP, dividing the establishment which is fat and happy with the sherets of the spoils, against the grassroots, the former Tea Party movement, determined to rein in government and contain inflation. Is this, this battle is will. DeSantis can only root from the sidelines. But DeSantis is more than that. He's a consumer of the earmarks. When you read closely the bill that Congress passed, $950 million go in earmarks to Florida to Ron DeSantis's Florida. Now, what DeSantis should do is, as governor, refuse that money and issue an executive order prohibiting anybody in Florida, any county official, from taking and using any of the earmarked money. He should send, set an example for the other pigs by turning away from the trough. Mm. But he's not going to do that. Meanwhile, DeSantis has two great issues to ride. Free speech and Mitch McConnell. Meanwhile, Trump has two great issues to ride. Free speech and Mitch McConnell. And DeSantis is left far behind. So that's the new state of affairs, I think, in Washington. And it gives Trump the issues that he needs to run and to win. Uh, he He cannot be consigned to irrelevance anymore because he's right there at the center of the action. And I think that Trump is has, in his recent statements in the last few days, has developed that and brought that out. Now, listen, you need a Ph.D. in politics to follow this election. Really? Because there's only one hand clapping, because the media will not cover Donald Trump. Do you believe ABC, NBC, and CBS have not 
news, TV news, have not covered the Twitter FBI file scandal in the least, and MSNBC and CNN have occurred, given it only cursory coverage, usually avoiding the main point. But while we've all been celebrating Christmas and been focusing on the charges being made against Trump by the January 6th committee referral to the F, to the AD, to the Department of Justice, the main issue that that's really evolving for the campaign and will set up the 24 election is the suppression of free speech by the FBI and McConnell caving to the most outrageous pork barrel bill that Congress has ever passed. May I ask a question, Dick? Yep. Why would McConnell do this? What is his upswing on this thing? He gets a lot of money. Kentucky gets a bunch of money. And uh, he's and, – and he is – because even though he voted against it, he let it pass. And the deal was that they put all the earmarks in that he wanted. And he got all of his pet projects. Let me explain what earmarks mean. Normally when you appropriate a billion dollars and you give it to the government, they can decide where to spend it. An earmark says you can't decide where to spend it. We want you to spend this money on a new sewage system for Louisville, Kentucky. Mm. And we want you to spend that money on a new highway from the airport to downtown in Lexington, Kentucky. So that's an earmark. And we want the other money to go to a pay raise for all the employees of the Kentucky state government. It's earmarked for that. It has to be spent on that. And no bureaucrat can sideline it. No other appropriations can circumvent it. So it's really signed, sealed, and delivered money to the entity that you're paying off. And McConnell has long since lost his Republican and his ideological base. He's now reelected in Kentucky because of the pork he delivers, because of the earmarks, because of this specific money. And the localities count on it. The politicians want it. And they can propose to build anything they want or spend anything they want because they know just send the tab to McConnell, Hmm. who in turn will include it in the omnibus spending bill, who in turn will let that monstrosity pass. Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. The the earmarks that McConnell supported and let pass, and the raid on our freedom by the FBI and the Justice Department are, in my mind, the two big issues looming over the 2024 primary. And they give Trump a, a, they give Trump a ticket to ride in the election. And uh, I think that it's going to be very important. Ticket to ride. And the other issue is, and the other issue is, the way the FBI had manipulated and suppressed the results 
of Hunter Biden's laptop. Just a So those are really the two issues, and uh, Trump has floated them basically in a vacuum because it's over Christmas and because the media doesn't cover him anyway. But you will see those issues dominate front and center, particularly when he moves back to his rallies and comes to overtake the political stage with what he's doing. Let's go to Sandra in New Jersey. Hi, Sandra. Merry Christmas to you. Yes, happy holidays to you and Doug and hi, your Sandra. audience. Um, hi. You know, I wanted to ask you, I know I believe that if Donald Trump was our president, we wouldn't have the war in Ukraine. But mm. since we do, I was wondering, do you think the money that we're sending there is being used effectively? Yeah, of course. Look at the battlefield. I mean, for God's sakes, what do you think is beating the Russian army? Um, you know, <laughs> wasteful earmarks? No. Uh, If that money was being wasted or stolen, they wouldn't have any ammunition and rockets to shoot at the Russians. This has got to be the most effective military aid any country has ever sent to another country in the history of the world. I would think a little bit's falling off the truck. Yeah, but... Yeah, right, but it's still... and, And first of all, most of this money is not in the Ukraine. It's spent in the United States on material and equipment and weapons. Most of it is not spent on development of weapons, but on replacing weapons already in America's stockpile. Mm. So they dial up the stockpile and they say, hey, I need 23 replacement rockets. And they send it to them. They say, okay, that'll be uh, $23 million. And somebody clicks on a computer and that money is transferred uh, to the U.S. government account. So how can possibly fall off the truck? Okay. you can, told I ask, me. can I ask you one other question? Sure. Um, you talk about Donald Trump, you know, he'll he'll get his name out again through rallies, but what happens if the people we want to get votes from won't go to those rallies? How are they going to see him if it's not on TV? Well, first on Newsmax, it will be covered on TV. And secondly, the issues he talks about penetrate very deeply through Fox News, through Newsmax, and through talk radio. Let's understand that the, that we're focusing now on getting Trump the nomination. The general election is later. And in the general election, we, we've got a host of economic issues that are developing, the mounting unemployment, the beginning of the Great Recession, uh, Great Depression 2.0, and, uh, and, and stuff that I think will really dominate the contest. But in the primaries, uh, Trump is using these issues in his rallies and his broadcasts and his speeches. Uh, I played the last time I was on, I think, the his full speech about uh, freedom from freedom of speech and freedom from the kind of FBI suppression that's going on now. And uh, I think that those are going to be enormous issues that he'll be very effective in getting out there. Thank you, thank you, Sandra. Let's go to Judith in Brooklyn, our old friend. Hi, Judith. Hi, How Judith. 
Hi, Dick and Merry Doug. Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. happy holidays to everyone because it's Hanukkah, it's Christmas, so happy holidays covers everybody. Um, Dick, um, Doug, Dick, listen, um, the FBI, right? The FBI. Yep. Who in the FBI is responsible? Is it Chris Ray? They have to pinpoint who did this with Twitter and all the other agencies that FBI lied and said this is uh, Russian misinformation when they knew darn and well that the laptop was authentic and real. I don't, and I don't think he can. I don't think he can point out any individual. I think that's the problem. I think the FBI is totally become a left wing organization. When Obama took over as president, he appointed Eric Holder AG, his worst, most radical appointment. And I think that Holder completely changed the nature of the agency, the chemistry of the agency. So that it became true. a the, the, basically the lounge at the faculty club at the University of Southern California or Harvard. It became yeah. totally left wing, and that culture Im, Im, imbued everything the agency did. So that's why look but, at the but, tone of the texts between um, Peter Strzok and uh, and his girlfriend. Right. It's all about you know what we're trying to do, and this is a way we can advance their it. insurance policy. Go ahead, Judith. But, Dick, right now, you're right, and you're right. Now, I do remember Eric Holder did um, hire people that were totally not conservative. He didn't want conservative people or smart people, actually. He wanted left-wing, wokey type of people, right. and yeah. that's what we have. But, you know, Dick, still, the FBI are supposed to be – us. we pay for them, the taxes. They yep. took almost $4 million, our taxpayer money, and they basically paid Twitter, and they basically were poisoning – Everyone with their misinf- with their lies, yep. actually, and and it's and and there has to be accountability because right. um, you know Judith, the, I, the FBI. Yeah? I, I want to interrupt you because I want to make a point before we run out of time here. Um, the referral by the special prosecutor by the January sixth committee to the Justice Department and the special prosecutor about Donald Trump basically says that he should be convicted of treason against the United States by lying about the 2020 election and saying that the election was stolen and was rigged when he knew full well that that was not and this was a lie. Now, first of all, Trump obviously did not believe it's a lie. I don't believe it's a lie. Forty percent of America doesn't believe it's a lie. Right. But more importantly than that, the time that that theft, that that rigging took place was not election night in Maricopa County or in Fulton County or in New or in Milwaukee or in Philadelphia. It was in on October twentieth, when at the second debate, Trump introduced the Biden, Hunter Biden laptop and brought in Hunter Biden's business partner for an on camera interview aired only on Newsmax. And he said this is true, this is what he was doing and this is the proof that Biden and Biden, father and son, both were sharing in this money. And at that point, the FBI swooped in and said, this is Russian disinformation. Even the day before it was released, they warned people, coming soon, Russian disinformation, don't cover it, it's a lie. And that was when this election was rigged and fixed. And Donald Trump in saying the election was rigged and fixed is not relying on vote counting in Maricopa County or whether 53,000 votes were stolen or 48,000 were stolen. 
He's relying on the, the obvious fact that the most important evidence in the campaign was suppressed right before Election Day. And therefore, to say that he had an intent, much less a criminal intent, to lie about the election is absolutely absurd. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. I want to introduce a guest for this show for the remaining half hour named Oz Guinness. Oz is the it's spelled O-S, even though we will probably play some music of O-Z. Oz Guinness is the author of more than 30 books, some on faith, many on freedom, and many on Irish family. Uh, Guinness is, of course, an Irish name. Born in China, witnessed the Chinese Revolution of, 1940, of 1948. He graduated from Oxford and has lived in the United States since 1984. He's truly an apostle of freedom. And my personal relationship with Oz is very close because after my scandal in the Clinton administration, uh, I was groping for a relationship with Christ. And Oz invited me to a weekend retreat and uh, some retreat. It was a massive advance and uh, introduced me really to Christ. And he was had more to do with my conversion to Christianity than uh, almost anybody else. So it's an absolute honor and joy to introduce Oz Guinness. Hey, Oz. Thank you, Dick. What a pleasure to be with you. Good. It's wonderful. But first, let's give you a proper musical introduction. We come to see the wizard, <laughs> the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of wiz, if ever a wiz there was. If ever, oh, ever a wiz there was, the wizard of Oz is one. Because, 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 because. I just want to say hello, Mr. Guinness. This is Doug. Hello. You met Doug at that speech. <laughs> now, before Disney hijacked his name, um, Oz was Oswald, so it's O.S. Guinness, <laughs> right? But well, pronounced Oz with a Z. Good. So welcome, Oz. Thank you. you. What a pleasure. You have so many books that talk about the decline of American freedom and the decline of our values at the same time. I wish you'd elaborate on some of those for our listeners. Well, you know, I'm not American, but I'm a great admirer of this country because if you look at the bookends of history, you have on the one extreme authoritarianism, all order, no freedom, take, say, China today, and the other extreme, anarchy, all freedom, no order. And the genius of the American experiment is ordered freedom, freedom within the Constitution. But many Americans don't realize that that actually goes back to the book of Exodus, the Jewish Torah, where the notion of covenant became constitution, and so on. So I'm a great admirer of the American experiment. As, uh, Doug dragged me to an Italian pizzeria for, uh, for <laughs> lunch yesterday, and uh, we asked the owner... Um, about Mussolini, and we'd been watching Pinocchio, which is a great film now, an adult version, and uh, and we, we asked about Mussolini, and she said he brought order to Italy. And I think that Oz's point is so important that order is not the opposite of liberty. America found a way to combine the two of them. 
Exactly. And I was at Oxford with Sir Isaiah Berlin, the great Jewish philosopher of freedom. And he used to say, freedom is negative. You have to be freed from. If you're Mm. an alcoholic or a drug addict or under a bully or a dictator, you're not free. You have to be free from freedom. You have to be set free. But that's only half of freedom. Mm. And the other half is what he called positive freedom, freedom to be, freedom for. And for that, you need truth and character and a way of life. You need a framework. But many people have a very distorted view of freedom today, which is one of the ways it's being undermined. Difference between license and freedom. Exactly. But um, I think that the that the undermining of freedom in America is uh, is based heavily ideological. I think that Sometimes when I watch or listen to some of my colleagues on the station and on Newsmax TV, they're talking about how the left is rooting for the destruction of the United States and uh, hoping that it falls apart and cheering every time there's a negative fact about it. And I want to explain that a little bit. Maybe this is the chance to do it. If you are a dedicated... Sorry. What? Go ahead. No, I was saying... Everyone agrees America is divided, but they don't get down to the deepest roots. I think the deepest roots is those who understand America and freedom from the perspective of the American Revolution, with its roots in the Jewish Torah, as I said. And those who understand America and freedom from the perspective of ideas coming from the French Revolution. So postmodernism, radical multiculturalism, identity politics, the sexual revolution, the radical left as a whole. All that comes from the French Revolution, not the American. It's a brilliant They're point. quite different, and it, they will be undermined. You know, well, many people, here's another problem. Many people think of, say, the radical left as communism. Well, communism has been a tremendous problem in the 20th century. But America's facing not classical Marxism, communism, but cultural Marxism. And that comes, you mentioned Mussolini, that comes from another Italian, uh, Gramsci, Antonio Gramsci, who sat in jail under Mussolini, figuring out how Marx didn't have it quite right. And he shifted Marxism from economics to culture. When the culture, now that's important because in the late 60s, Herbert Marcuse at the University of San Diego said, we need a long march through the institutions. In other words, you're not going to win in the streets. You've got to win the colleges. But go ahead with what you mean, cultural Marxism, please. Well, um, you've got to win the cultural gatekeepers. So if you win the press and the media, colleges and universities, Hollywood and entertainment, then you sweep round and win the whole culture. And 50 years later, you can see they've done it. And areas, no one in Europe, I'm European still, no one would ever have thought that business would be anything but conservative. That's but now, of course, so, woke business, woke finance. That's so important. And let's let's realize that Marxism was about controlling the means of production. Uh, but mm-hmm. we're in a society where three quarters of the economy is information, not production. And exactly. cultural Marxism is controlling the means of information. That is truly the replacement of production. Now, the message that they're projecting and the way the people can buy into it 
is to say, look, the United States is 25% of the world's economy and 4% of the world's population. And uh, they have a, a an unjust high, unjustly high level of in wealth and income and assets. And anything that cuts the United States down to size is in the interests of the world, which includes the United States. And therefore, if you want to act in the interests of Americans, you should be at least partly anti-American because you want to deal with the needs of the human race, not just the needs of the American people. Now, the answer to that is that the only way we have been able to drag people out of poverty in this world has been through the engine of American prosperity. Uh, Thoreau wrote, Henry Thoreau wrote, think of it as a locomotive uh, that gets attached to railroad cars that have no steam of their own. Germany and Japan after the war, um, South Asia, uh, India, Bangladesh, the subcontinent, all of those were inst- all those were countries that were dead, and they accessed the American market. They accessed American consumers. China, in particular, sold its products in the United States, and that gave them wealth and income and the ability to move out of poverty. And the number of people in extreme poverty in the world today has dropped from about two billion uh, to uh, less than. One billion, probably about four hundred million, mm-hmm. and that's because not of any radical ideology or revolution. It's because of the buying power of the American market and the way it's transformed the economies of the world. No, absolutely. You think of the West has exported the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, market capitalism. So even our greatest enemies have been transformed by ideas that come from the West, mm. but. Where you started was an open attack on merit and giftedness. You take someone like Usain Bolt. He was far faster than anyone in his generation. But you didn't slow him down because he was much faster than the slow coaches. You admired the fact he'd done it so well. And in the same way, entrepreneurialism has rewards. And America's been incredibly entrepreneurial, and that's the fruit of freedom and market capitalism. And the radical left ideologies are an absolute disaster with their notions of equality leveling. You know, when you when you stress equality, you inevitably appeal to jealousy, and you end up leveling and sort of the tall poppy syndrome. Not so not on. just jealousy. Nancy Friday, the psychiatrist, wrote a great book called Jealousy, where she delineated between jealousy and envy. She said jealousy is a positive emotion. I want what you have. Envy is a negative emotion. I want you to die rather than have what you have. And Russia is a society based on envy. When I was working there uh, for uh, Yeltsin, uh, one of the uh, interpreters told me, Russia is the only country where the viewers root against the contestants on the quiz shows. (laughs) They want them to lose. Uh, And then there's this great story about Ivan who died in the fire in uh, Russia, and he went up to heaven and St. Peter said, what can I do for you? You've led such a wonderful life. And he said, my neighbor, uh, my neighbor Yankel, I want him to die of a fire too. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, oh my word. Oh, God. No, no. 
and and no, I think terrible. I think that the that the entire inversion really of reward as you speak about it is fundamental to the move that we're making. But the question yeah. I have for you was is a society of the one, like the one you describe is inevitably going to fail. It's not going to have the resources to continue. It can't generate the resources for uh, other countries to succeed, and it ultimately can't generate the resources for itself to succeed. Uh, just read Anne Rand's book about Atlas Shrugged, mm-hmm. and you see the end product of this kind of economics. So how do they survive, or are they truly like the ultimate parasite that could care less whether his host survives? He just wants his daily meal out of his flesh. Well, you're right, and the, the, the price of that sort of approach is tyranny. And here's the problem. In America now, we're increasingly postmodern. Many people don't believe in God, and the effect of that, they don't believe in truth. And if you don't have either God or truth, you only have power. And then you set up everything as a now, conflict just of interrupt you, this, interrupt you for a second, Oz. When he speaks of truth, he's not speaking so much about something being true as opposed to false. He's speaking about a belief that certain things are indisputably true, that they happened in history, that they went on, that the U.S. used to be a colony, it became a nation, that the blacks used to be slaves and they became free people. And what the, what the current left view of truth is, is that it's relative and that there is no absolute truth, and therefore nothing ends up being true as opposed to false. That's right. And you're in a world where lies can become, quote, truth, if you can say them powerfully and make them stick. And so in a world of coercion, manipulation, deceit, lies, rumors, a very dangerous world in which freedom simply cannot thrive, and the end of that result, the Romans were very clear, the end result is despotism what they call the peace of despotism. In other words, you have powers, political or whatever, so powerful they can put down every other power. So you have peace. And then you end up with the ultimate peace, which is all power is put down, and you have total anarchy in the Dark Ages before the Middle Ages began to enlighten some of that. Um, Well, that's why I said the other bookend, and anarchy is unlivable. So yeah. people, when life becomes what Thomas Hobbes called nasty, brutish, and short, the war of all against all, they hunger for authority, and they give up their own freedom, and you create what he called Leviathan, the big state. Now, and then you have peace, but tyranny. I think it's important to delineate here between symbiotes and parasites. A symbiote is a biological creature that lives off another creature. And when that creature is hurt, he's hurt. When that creature benefits, he benefits. Good example of that is a mother with a, it's a pregnant mother with a child in the womb. Uh, if the mother is hurt, the child is hurt. And mm. if she lives well, the child grows up and lives well. But a parasite is the opposite. A parasite could care less what happens with the host. A parasite just wants his food, his pound of flesh. His ride. So a good example of that is a is a, uh, ta- is a tapeworm or uh, a flea with a lethal bite um, because he wants, he doesn't care if the host gets dragged down. 
you know the old story about the, the frog, uh, yeah. about the frog and the um, tarantula. Or... Yeah, the tarantula and the and the what the or the don't bite me. Yeah, the tarantula is being tarantula is being carried across the Nile uh, mm-hmm. by by what a fish or a, fro- uh, a, frog, a frog. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the frog and the tarantula said, "Please get me to the other side." And the frog says, "I won't because you'll kill me. You'll sting me as I'm approaching it, and I'll drown." And he said, why would I sting you? If I sting you, I'll drown too. And then in the middle of the Nile, he stings him. And the frog and he both drown. And with his last breath, the frog asks, why did you do that? And he said, it's my nature. It's what I do. And, <laughs> and I think that, that we are besieged mm. with parasites here, not with symbiotes. They don't mm-hmm. care that America prospers. They don't care that anybody prospers. They care that everybody is miserable equally. But, Dick, you know, one of the great things, and you can speak out on this as you have such a great voice, in the 1850s, America was equally divided, but you had a Lincoln. And Lincoln believed in the better angel of the American nature. He tackled the evil, slavery. He believed in the Declaration, and he had an incredible sense of history and, of course, courage and vision. We don't have a national leader like that today. Um, well, you know, so. let me let me go to break on that note. We'll come right back with Oz Guinness. Stick around. This conversation doesn't happen often it's on fantastic. radio. Fantastic. It's true carnage in the stock market, unlike anything we've ever seen. The average stock is down 41.7% from its 52-week high, meaning that stock will have to rally 71.5% now to get back to its previous high. Meanwhile, gold is only down 8%, so it's proven to be a source of protecting wealth. Call the Patriot Gold Group today before it's too late. Mention WABC and you'll get best-in-class service. Patriot Gold Group has the no-fee-for-life IRA where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver. And you may be eligible for the no-fee-for-life IRA on qualifying rollovers. Call 888-594-7855 for a free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is Consumer Affairs' top-rated gold IRA dealer six years in a row. Call 888-594-7855 unless you trust the Biden administration to work its way out of this. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. Talk Radio 77. WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Hi, I'm on the air now with Oz Guinness, who is the author of more than 30 books on humanity, freedom, Christianity, uh, and, and a, an immigrant American. He was born actually in China. He, of course, is British. And uh, and we're having a fabulous discussion about the meaning of freedom and of and of uh, truth and everything. Um, Oz, when we closed, you were talking about the period of disunity in America in the 1830s and 1840s and 50s and 60s when obviously it was totally divided over the issue of slavery. 
and uh, how Ab- they, we found in Abraham Lincoln, he was able to pull the country together. But that's an oversimplification. The fact is that the problem of slavery and, and racism, inequality, lasted, started the Civil War, but has continued really through to today. What Lincoln did was conquer slavery and destroy its economic base with military action. He didn't reconcile America. He beat the hell out of the other side to a point where it was submitted and gave up, and uh, he was able to control that. Then after he'd left, uh, after he was assassinated, uh, his successors uh, attempted to assure that the South did not revert to its racist practices and to give blacks equal rights. But then uh, the governing Republican Party uh, was tired of that. People didn't like war. They didn't like conflict. They didn't like federal troops occupying the South. And we withdrew. And under the facade of promoting national unity and healing the divisions of the Civil War, we totally abandoned the idea of equal rights and sold mm-hmm. the blacks really back into slavery uh, called tenant farmers. Now, I think that we have a leader now who can bring, who can conquer the wrong parts of America. And I don't mean that militarily as Lincoln had to. I think he can, I think Donald Trump can conquer this politically. I think that by winning elections at crucial levels and being sure that the vote count is accurate at the national level and at the state level and at the congressional level, we can redeem America and we can change the priorities of our country and we can do so without violence despite violence and i think that we can go to the core of this now there are those who say i don't like trump because he's the divider in chief well nobody was more divisive than abraham lincoln he was divisive mm-hmm. enough that he sent uh he, 600,000 troops were killed because he was divisive and uh you know for god's sakes and trump is not nearly that divisive, but very divisive. And people say they want order, they want uh, civility, they want all of this back. And that's just like the Hobbesian choice of order versus freedom. And Trump insists on freedom. You know, I wish the gentleman could make America great again. Yes. But what made America great in the first place? And I wish he could describe the first things of the American experiment and genuinely call the country back. Like that. He he called for a new birth of freedom. Mm. And today we need a new, new birth of freedom. And so, you know, Biden talks of restoring that he hasn't a clue what the soul of America is. You tell us. The president of Trump has got to tell us what the first things of put and make America first. All right, tell us. I write a lot of his stuff, Oz. Give me his speech. Come on. You know, it's, but my point is it's not the economy only. It's not yeah. the military only. He's got to call America back to the understanding of what America is and at the same time show the real roots of the alternative, the radical left. In other words, it is cultural Marxism. I get the attack part of it. Tell me about the positive part of it. Well, you know, that that you'd have to spell out in terms of what I was saying about ordered freedom and so on. So spell it out. Well. He's cornering you. 
I got I mean, a speech to write, man. Spell it out. What was distinctive about the borrowing of the covenant, which became constitution? First, the covenant was a matter of freely chosen consent. Secondly, it was a matter of a morally binding pledge. And thirdly, it was a matter of the reciprocal responsibility, in the Jewish case, every Jew for the whole system. In the American case, for every American citizen, for the American Republic. You've got to spell out some of these deep personal when principles. I, when I worked for Clinton, I tried to do that, and I called the theory triangulation. And I said, mm-hmm. from every person we have to develop, uh, give them opportunity, and in return, take, make them take responsibility. We'll give you welfare, but you have to work. You have to have time limits. We'll yep. give you student loans, but in return, you have to spend a certain of your time working in underserved areas. And uh, that covenant, which I called, by the way, the new covenant in the early drafts of my speeches, and then got killed because that would be confused with Jesus's covenant. But I was too much of an atheist at that time to understand it. But how would you go beyond that? Well, no, I don't think you want to start that and spell that out. It's that's, the, For example, that means that citizenship is important. So take the motto, a pluribus unum. If America ever loses the unum, it's in trouble. You're balkanized. And the unum is carried in two places, the public schools, civic education, and the Americanization of every new immigrant. So the collapse of civic education in public schools, Howard Zinn, 1619 Project, or the insanity, the suicidal insanity of an open southern border, that's the death of citizenship. Mm-hmm. And that's what the radical left and the Democrats have done. Mm-hmm. That but I've lived the... in Washington. Yes. I've lived in Washington for 30-odd years, never heard people talking about immigration and citizenship. That's mm. actually absolutely the key issue in the southern border. No yep. one mentions it. And, you know, you're right. The whole view of the southern border is economic. Don't let them in because no. they'll take our jobs. In or fact, it should be that they're taking our, In fact, it should be that they're taking our soul. Exactly. Citizenship is the key issue in the southern border. And yeah. uh, America's undermining itself. The, the, the republic's on a course for suicide. Well, yeah, but I really believe it can be redeemed politically. I think that yes. majorities yeah, can change that. But know, I, I think you're completely right that reform of education. Was Churchill. Yes. And I, th- I met him as a boy, and I have his signature above my Oh, that's good. Oh, good for you. You know, good for you. what the, the sense of history? Who in Washington gives you that Lincoln-like or Churchill-like sense of history? History for Americans is what you can Google to settle an argument over a date or whatever <laughs> on your smartphone. <laughs> that's crazy. History is our identity. It's our continuity, and so on. Uh, tell you us know, where we can get things. Tell us where we can get more of you. Tell us your oh. the latest books well, that well, you recommend. Well, my main book on what we're talking about today, Dick, is called The Magna Carta of Humanity, which is showing... The Magna the Carta roots, of Humanity. The yep. Magna Carta of Humanity, showing the Jewish roots of the American experiment in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Many Americans have no clue that the consent of the government comes from Exodus. Separation of powers comes from 
Exodus hmm. going down the line. And the Magna Carta limiting executive authority comes from, is, is originated in the Magna Carta. Well, that was, you know, the English Magna Carta in 1215. But my argument in the book is that when you see the profound understanding of freedom and justice in Exodus and what it could have been and should have been in the American experiment, this is the way forward for humanity. In other words, not just the solution to the current political crisis, but we're in a stage now with the decline of the West and the rise of China. We've got to argue the best way forward for humanity. And I think it lies there. Yep. Anyway, big thing. Fascinating. We have another chance to discuss yes, some of these wonderful. things. Wonderful. Well, thank you for coming on. Bless you. I'm I'm so happy that you're here and so happy to share thoughts with you. Before we go, I just want to take a call from a close friend of mine, Phil in Yonkers. Hi, Phil. Hey, guys. Hey. Did you hear this, Phil? What, uh, great. It was great. Absolutely phenomenal. Great amazing. guest. Great show. Great show. I want to wish you guys Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. That includes everybody at 77 ABC and your special guest. And I just wanted to add, you know, is, uh, I happened to catch Cardinal O'Connor this morning on Channel 5 News. And he was totally awesome. And he said that one of the biggest problems in this country is that we have forgotten God. Mm. And I don't think he's, he's not talking about the people who believe in God. He means in the powers that be and trying to do its cancel culture and the woke movement, trying to get yeah. God out of our schools. It's, we don't say the Pledge of Allegiance They, they anymore. don't believe in right or wrong. They don't believe that those are absolutes. No they don't guilt. believe in morality. Mm-hmm. Well, Phil, thank you, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Phil. You Tell your too. mother I said Merry Christmas. And Oz, it is so wonderful Absolutely. having you on. Uh, you're so brilliant, and I so enjoyed this talk. But we need to have more of it, so I'm going to invite you back, hopefully for Easter. Well, thank you. It would be a real privilege. Thank you. Good. Thank well, you, you sir. It was an honor. Your listeners. We'll bless you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, we talked about the two ways that Trump can succeed politically. And Trump has a ticket to ride. He's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. She don't care. Trump's two tickets to ride are that he is now the victim-in-chief of tyranny. The victim-in-chief. And he was the vic- victimized by the election being stolen by the FBI suppressing the laptop. And the other issue is that the American people are being victimized by the massive government spending sanctioned by Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. So those are his tickets to ride. And you tune in every Sunday and watch him use them to ride. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences 
businesses in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com. 